Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor of the train, Anthony Smith. That's right. This train is building up ahead of steam each and every day that we are on. So what I want you to do is grab your ticket, get on board, enjoy the ride. This train is going to take you on a journey, turn some corners, and maybe pick up a few passengers along the way. So what do we have on tap for today's episode? Even I don't know that. So the best way to find out is tune in and enjoy the ride of the A-Train Sports Talk podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. And we're about ready to get this train on the track. So stay tuned. It's the A-Train Sports Talk podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. You're listening to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, and have we got breaking news to bring to you. So what I want you to do is grab your ticket, get on board, Strap on your seatbelt and enjoy the ride because this train will definitely take you on a journey today. So it's the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. We're getting ready to get this train on the track. So welcome to the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. And as I alluded to, have some breaking news. So we're just going to go ahead and just dive onto the track let's take this train and go full throttle down the tracks so the browns who just got done dealing with the cowboys to acquire a receiver amari cooper are now getting deshaun watson do i need to say that again yes are now getting deshaun watson Deshaun Watson has made his choice. The Cleveland Browns, who just got done dealing with the Dallas Cowboys to acquire receiver Amari Cooper in a salary dump, thought they were out of the running for the Houston Texans quarterback and three-time Pro Bowler. Watson had been torn between the Saints and his hometown Falcons, but on Friday he decided he wants to play for the Cleveland Browns. It is a stunner in many ways as Watson has informed the Texans that he now is willing to waive the no-trade clause in his contract to be dealt to Cleveland. Watson, recently cleared of criminal prosecution in his sexual misconduct case, will now wait for Houston and Cleveland to finalize the trade. There are still concerns about possible punishment for Watson, who is 26, but those concerns have not slowed the pursuits of the Saints and Panthers, both of whom have made their trade offers to the Texans and their sales pitch to the QB. And now, as first reported by PFN, the Browns brass will get to the same. Watson has a no-trade clause in his $156 million contract that gives him power over his destination. The Saints point men in their meeting were general manager Mickey Loomis and coach Dennis Allen. The Panthers sent team owner David Tepper and coach Matt Rule. The Browns, who took on Cooper's $20 million salary in a Saturday trade with Dallas, 
could wish to swap QB Baker Mayfield as part of their package. The Saints boast offensive talent in wide receiver Michael Thomas and running back Alvin Kamara. The Panthers have been investigating the idea for almost a year and could dangle running back Christian McCaffrey in the trade. The Texans have been unbending in what they would want in a deal. Three first-round picks, plus other premium picks, plus possible a player or players. They would obviously like the right deal done soon as to help them make roster decisions now in free agency and for the April NFL draft. So, does it make sense? Deshaun Watson to Cleveland? If you look at what Cleveland has, you have a pretty stout running game. You just recently acquired Amari Cooper. You add Deshaun Watson to the mix and maybe another valid number two wide receiver or a you have a 1A and have a 1B wide receiver. Then all of a sudden this Cleveland team looks to be a major player in what already looks to be a very stout AFC division overall, especially when you look at the AFC West. Kansas City is going to be Kansas City. But look like the arms race is catching up to Kansas City. I mean, you have the Denver Broncos who have a stout defense as well, but now you add Russell Wilson to the mix, who is still a proven entity. Not to mention, he has a few weapons that he can work with. Then you look at what the Chargers have done. They've already had the offense. But now you add more to the defense by adding a Khalil Mack along with a Joey Bosa and some other pieces. And then the Raiders. My goodness. What were the Packers thinking? We will get on that one later. But my goodness. Now you have one of the best tight ends, emerging tight ends in the game in Waller, Darren Waller. You have Hunter Renfro, who now becomes your number two guy. Now you add Devontae Adams, who basically over the last three years or so has been the number one wide receiver in the NFL. And now you reunite him with his former college mate, Derek Carr. Now you got some weapons and you just can't key it on one guy because now if you try to go man up against Devontae Adams, you got to worry about Hunter Renfro. That's going to free him up. And now he looks to have a breakout year just by the addition of a Devontae Adams. Then Darren Waller is most likely due to set some records from the tight end position. If not league records, at least team records for most passing yards and probably targets for a tight end in Raider history. So, the arms race is definitely heated up in the AFC, and I believe the balance of power has most definitely shifted to the AFC. Yep, granted, the Rams took home the Super Bowl, but look at the young talents that you have in the AFC as far as young guns. You have Josh Allen still, and Josh Allen, he's on a different plane altogether. You know, there are your, there are your you got your Patrick Mahomes, you have your Lamar Jacksons, 
and then you have a Josh Allen. Josh Allen, if I could say it, is the white Cam Newton, except a little bit smarter with how he runs the ball. I mean, he's got that big Cam Newton-style body, but he doesn't look to run you over. He is just as soon hurdle over you like an Ezekiel Elliott would, as opposed to running you over. Of course, then again, once he gets past the defensive line and the linebackers to some extent, what defensive back wants to go up and tackle him? Not too many of them. So you got your Josh Allen. You still have your Lamar Jackson, who's coming off an injury-plagued season. Hopefully he comes back a little bit more mature and learn how not to take so many risks and so many chances. You look at the Chargers. I mentioned the Chargers, but look at the Chargers stuff. Just look at them. They have to learn from a coaching standpoint how to get out of their own way and realize that you're actually playing a football game and you're not playing Madden 22 going for it on fourth down every time. That may be a slight exaggeration. But if he can learn to get out of his way with the defense that they have and the offensive weapons, it is anybody's guess in that AFC West. Let's look at the AFC West rundown. Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. Chargers, Justin Herbert. Broncos, Russell Wilson. Raiders, Derek Carr. That division alone, you could either link them to maybe the SEC of NFL, of the NFL, or maybe I would say the Big Ten, because they're going to definitely beat each other up in that division. In that division, there will be no such thing as any days off. You can't overlook. You can't say, oh, well, here come the Raiders. Can't say that no more. The Chargers are vastly improved, even though they missed the playoffs. But it's like they're right on the cusp of doing something. And you pick up some defensive help? My goodness. So what were the Packers thinking? Or was this really all about Aaron Rodgers? You know, it's not about the money. I've always wanted to be a Packer. (laughs) I mean, he has a way of saying things, okay? But I still want to stick with just Deshaun Watson because even though I just mentioned... Aaron Rodgers and the fact that the Packers have basically let Devontae Adams go in a trade. How about this? Because it is said that Deshaun Watson has more guaranteed money than Aaron Rodgers. Deshaun Watson hasn't played football since January the 3rd, 2021, when he was with the Houston Texans. But the three-time Pro Bowl quarterback has more guaranteed money on his contract in Aaron Rodgers. According to Jake Trotter, who covers the Cleveland Browns for ESPN, Watson has $230 million on his contract with the AFC North Club, which is the most guaranteed money on a single contract in league history. So yes, Deshaun Watson, a Cleveland Brown. The Cleveland Browns have basically backed up the Brinks truck and said, here, it's yours. Take it. He says, I will oblige. 
So now everything that was going on with this Baker Mayfield saying his goodbyes, he knew something. Somebody had to have told him something. He wouldn't have been saying his farewells and goodbyes. And all Cleveland was doing was just window dressing, saying, Baker, we want you. We're not going to trade you. Aha. Do I need to read this again? It says, according to Jake Trotter, who covers the Cleveland Browns for ESPN, Watson has $230 million on his contract with the AFC North Club, which is the most guaranteed money on a single contract in league history. Now, let me put a pin right there, because now we're looking at the AFC North. Who's the other young gunslinger? Joe Burrow of the Cincinnati Bengals. Did not that arms race in the AFC North just heat up a little bit? And the team now that is lagging behind would most definitely have to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because now when you look at the AFC North, you have Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson. And he has a pretty darn good backup as well, too. You look at the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow, and his favorite target, Jamar Chase, which was as lethal as Tom Brady and Randy Moss. And now you have the Cleveland Browns. Deshaun Watson. Amari Cooper and a running game and a defense. Cleveland has just put themselves in the playoff picture. Rodgers, anyway, has a $150.7 million guaranteed on his contract with the Green Bay Packers. Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen has $150 million guaranteed. Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes has $141.5 million guaranteed on his contract. Dallas Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott has $126 million guaranteed. Aside from Prescott, all the other quarterbacks have at least led their teams to a conference title game, a stage in the playoffs Cleveland has not seen since 1989. The trade package for Watson is expected to include a total of five draft picks including three first-round selections. So what does that do for one Baker Mayfield? Well, report is Baker Mayfield informs the Browns that he wants a trade to a certain team. i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to leak that out to you when I come back. So stay tuned. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and your conductor, Anthony Smith. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. I want to let you know that this podcast is listener supported. That's right. Driven by you, the listener. So if you want to advertise or sponsor a segment, Simply reach out to me at 316-553-2010 or hit me up at a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com to get your ad or sponsorship ran on this podcast. Once again, 
A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. This is Tracy, host of the Moonstar Podcast, and you are listening to A-Train. Buckle up, baby, and enjoy the ride. Woo! Welcome back to my next episode, or my next segment, as we're looking into some NFL talk. And as I was leading out, Baker Mayfield informs the Browns where he wants to go. As if it hasn't been a no-brainer since he wrote out his farewell letter, pretty much, so to speak, telling people that he loved Cleveland, he enjoyed his time in Cleveland, Cleveland was his home, and all saying all the right things. It was said then that the best landing spot for Baker would be the Colts. Well, Baker Mayfield informed the Browns he wants a trade to the Colts. Baker Mayfield has gone from requesting a trade from the Browns to making a specific preference of destination. Only minutes after Deshaun Watson chose the Browns came word from Jeff Howe of TheAthletic.com that Mayfield has informed the Browns he wants to play for the Colts. Watson's decision now clears the way for the quarterback carousel to begin spinning again. Watson was the most accomplished quarterback left available. So teams in need of a quarterback are waiting for word of his trade. The Colts, Saints, Seahawks, and Panthers remain quarterback needy. Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo are available via trade, with James Winston, Marcus Mariota, and Andy Dalton among the available free agents at the position. The Browns surely would prefer trading Mayfield out of the AOC but, like Watson, he might end up staying in the conference. The Colts rejoined the quarterback market after trading Carson Wentz to the Commanders. <laughs> Mayfield, 26, is under contract for 2022 at his fifth-year option of $18.86 million. He underwent surgery on his non-throwing shoulder in January. So, does it make sense for Baker to land up land with the Colts? Personally speaking, I think it probably does. Based on the fact that you still have a very stout running game with Jonathan Taylor, who could take a lot of pressure off of the quarterback, and the quarterback can also develop some type of chemistry with the receiving core. And put you could put Baker in a position where he doesn't have to really win you games, just not cost you games. Under the right coaching, and I think Frank Reich would be the right coach for Baker Mayfield. Not saying that Stefanski wasn't, but I think Frank Reich, that is, if Baylor really wants to be fixed as a quarterback and wants to improve, I think Frank Reich is a good fit for Baker Mayfield. Improve on some of his skill sets. Work on his strength. You know, work around what his strengths are. 
to help eliminate and hide his weaknesses. I think this is a good landing spot for one Baker Mayfield. In a change of pace now. You know, this is March Madness. And I I called into a radio show today and told them that March Madness just isn't confined to the basketball court. As you're seeing NFL madness going on in the month of March, you got quarterback carousels, you got defensive players moving here. I mean, you know, when I spoke of defense, I forgot to mention Randy Gregory. You know, with everything he'd been through in Dallas and how Dallas pretty much catered to him, nursed him back to pretty much good health, you know, with all the baggage that he had, the substance abuse. He says, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and sign a contract with the Denver Broncos. I mean, after all, when you stop to think about it, Colorado is where you can get a good Rocky Mountain high. And maybe that's the perfect fit for one Randy Gregory. Anyway, back to March Madness. There have been some stunners already. And here's what John Calipari had to say after Kentucky's stunning loss to St. Peter's. St. Peter's. Who is St. Peter's? A little old tiny school out of Jersey City, New Jersey. Little old bitty David took down big old Goliath. Kentucky suffered a shocking exit from the NCAA tournament on Thursday night, losing to St. Peter's in overtime by the score of 85-79. to 79. The Wildcats' season is now finished, and they're just the 10th team in tournament history to lose to a 15 seed in the first round. Oscar Tishbo turned in another stellar performance, recording 30 points and 16 rebounds in what could be his last game as a Kentucky player. UK starting backcourt of Xavier Wheeler, Ty Ty Washington, and Kellen Grady all struggled, with Grady and Washington combining to go 3-for-19 from the field and Wheeler committing six turnovers. Here's everything Kentucky coach John Calipari had to say after the upset loss to the Peacocks, with the attention soon turning to who will leave and who will stay on his UK team. Opening statements. Sad day. Not just we lose a game. It's that this season ended with this group of and how much joy they brought to me and our staff. And I'll just say one thing, that you have an eight-point lead, and I'm a guy that's been through a lot of these. You have an eight-point lead with three minutes to go. You win the game. So I really don't need to know, well, this guy did that, and that guy did this, and this, and this, and this. We had an eight-point lead with with three-something to go. I'm not taking away from St. Peter's. They deserve to win the game. They fought the entire time. But that's how I feel about it. That, you know, these guys 
put us in a position to win the game. Let's finish it off. So now here go the questions. This isn't the first game where down the stretch of a possession-by-possession game, it didn't go as well as you wanted. Is there a link there? Why do you think that was a problem area? You know, I think, again, my whole thing coming in, because I knew they had never played in this stuff, was to get them free and loose, and we never got to that. Never. And, you know, even in timeouts, I was trying to do that, and but we made up eight, you know, we just didn't do the things we normally have done. But I come back to when you're up eight with three minutes to go, you figure out how to win the game. That's your job as a coach. You know, we had some guys that had not played the way they had been playing. And, you know, you look back and say, could we have put Bryce in? Could we have put Davion in? Just try something. But the game, it was a touch-and-go game. And then it's not fair to, for those kids to be put in that position and do something that hurts our season. But hindsight, when you're a coaching, could have done this, could have done that. At the end of the day, I've been in these situations, and the hard thing is because we, the thing I talked about, we got injured and we never kind of went back. So I may have been trying to coach a team that I coached a month ago, and we had some guys that weren't playing like they were a month ago. But I come back to this was an unbelievable group. Just picked a bad day to not make a shot. And, you know, we were trying to throw it to Oscar every time. That's how we played. I mean, he's, you know, just okay. Come down and throw it to Oscar. I feel bad for the guys because, I mean, they are taking it hard. They know you guys ask Kellen a question. That's, you know, tough for these kids. They know they they know what they did and how they did it. But I also say, I'm going to say this again. An eight-point lead with three minutes to go, let's go. Let's win this thing. And you know a couple of errors to make the game close. You know they went zone, couldn't get them to throw the ball to the middle. I mean, we had not had that issue against any zone we played, but we did today. So give St. Peter's credit. And that's just some of the Q&A from Coach Cal. I'm not going to give you that whole thing. Know that Coach Cal was visibly upset. Sounds like he took a lot of the brunt of the blame on himself. But with these upsets that are taking place, are you surprised? I know you say a two, a 15 beating a two, that's, that's very, very, very rare. But we've been seeing it here as of late, however. We've even seen a, a 16 takedown of one. And all I can attribute that to is this right here. The fact of the matter is players at these blue blood schools are not staying around. They're pretty much one and done, two and done. Then you have your players like, well, let's say New Mexico, who knocks off UConn. Coached by Chris Jans, former Wichita State assistant, whose name has even popped up as a possible coaching candidate in the K-State coaching search. However, he said it best. 
He said, when you look at my team, I have six-year seniors, five-year seniors, four-year seniors. I have guys that have been in the program. Get this. Keyword is guys that have been in the program. So you're going to start seeing more of these David versus Goliath type games where the little boys are knocking off the big boys because why? They have continuity within the program. They have that chemistry. They have that togetherness. They've been together. They've been through some wars. They've been, they, I don't, I don't care how good you are as a freshman and trying to mix in with your new college teammates. And you know, you're going to be one and done. So I've never been in one of those kids position, but chances are as the season wears on, you're thinking about the next level. You may be thinking about winning the championship in college. You know, that would look good as you get prepared to go to the next level. But at the end of the day, your mind is already on the next level. You might want to put on a good showing in the NCAA tournament to help improve your draft stock, so to speak. But your mind is already thinking about the next level. Whereas you have these kids at these mid-majors who have been in the program, been in the program, been in the program. And those of you who are listening to this podcast, you may have some disagreements with me. And there may be some of you who agree with me. But listen to me on this. Trust me on this one thing. When you have some senior leadership, guys who've been in the program, they know the system. You develop team chemistry. I even believe that you develop mental chemistry. You visualize things. You know what's going to happen before it even unfolds because you've been in that system. So, no, it's not surprising that a, a New Mexico State wins. It's not surprising that St. Peter's win. When, when the mentality was, we're not just happy to be here. We're here to win a few basketball games. You could be the best freshman playing on one of the best all-time teams, but these small schools are not afraid of you anymore. They finally figured this one thing out. We dress ourselves the same way you dress yourselves. The only difference is, your uniform says Kentucky, mine says St. Peter's. But at the end of the day, we're going mano y mano, man to man. You might not have heard of who I am, but after today, you will know full well who I am. The nation will know who I am. Isn't it ironic that in this March Madness, there are names that are popping up that we haven't heard from all season long, but now they're making their mark in the NCAA tournament, and everybody is starting to take notice. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Let me just give you this program and note. The reason you're not hearing all the bells and whistles and all the effects, uh, unfortunately, my laptop is kind of on the downside. So I'm happy to do this by way of my phone again. It's been a while since I've done that. But I hope you are enjoying the content. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. And what I'm going to do right here, I'm going to take another pause when I come back, I will have some more for you. So stay true. Stay tuned. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Hope you are enjoying this podcast. I'll be right back. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Want to let you know that this podcast is listener supported. That's right. Driven by you, the listener. 
So if you want to advertise or sponsor a segment, simply reach out to me at 316-553-2010 or hit me up at a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com to get your ad or sponsorship rant on this podcast. Once again, a train sports talk podcast, your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. This is Tracy, host of the Moonstar Podcast, and you are listening to A-Train. Buckle up, baby, and enjoy the ride. Woo! Welcome back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast for my next segment, and which will probably be my last segment as we get ready to get ready for another round of NCAA March Madness. But how about March Madness Day 1 Recap? Kentucky becomes the latest number two seed to bite the dust in opening round. It was an action-packed and highly entertaining return to normalcy Thursday at the NCAA Men's Tournament, and the biggest splash came from a little-known Cinderella, St. Peter's University of the Metro Atlantic Conference. St. Peter's made NCAA tournament history Thursday night and did so at Kentucky's expense. Peacocks came into the tournament as the number 15 seed in the East region and massive underdogs to the mighty Wildcats, who had the third best odds to win the national championship. But Shalene Holloway's team had no fear. The Peacock, who were 18-point underdogs, pulled off a massive upset by beating number two seed Kentucky, 85-79 in overtime. In the first half, St. Peter's was carried by Daryl Banks III, who posted a career-high 27 points. Down the stretch, though, the Peacocks leaned on the sharpshooting Doug Eater. He connected on a go-ahead three-pointer with 126 in the regulation and then sent the game in, sent the game to overtime with a driving layup with 24 seconds to go. In overtime, Eddard sank another game tying triple before Banks knocked down the free throws that gave the Peacocks the lead for good. Eddard finished the game, finished the night with 20 points in 25 minutes off the bench. There must be superpowers in that mustache. How else do you explain Kentucky losing in the first round for the first time in John Calipari's head coaching tenure in Lexington? With the win, St. Peter's became the 10th number 15 seed to upset a number two seed in the first round. It's a rare occurrence. Between 1991 and 2011, there were only four 15-2 upsets. With St. Peter's triumph, that's now six of them that have happened in the past 10 seasons. Back in 2012, there were two on the same day. Lehigh shot Duke and Norfolk State knocked off Missouri. Dunk City burst onto the scene the following season. Florida Gulf Coast stormed past Georgetown and then became the first number 15 seed to advance into the Sweet 16. In 2016, it was Middle Tennessee that upset Michigan State before Oral Roberts 
came along in 2021 and shocked Ohio State. ORU then beat Florida to join Florida Gulf Coast as the second number 15 seed to reach the Sweet 16. Does St. Peter's have what it takes to become the third? The Peacocks will meet Murray State in the round of 32 on Saturday. The Raiders, the Racers, the East number seven seed outlasted San Francisco 92-87 in an overtime thriller. Well, how about another shocker? A team that was destined to go farther than what it did. Iowa. Iowa shocked by Richmond. St. Peter's massive victory over Kentucky overshadowed an upset that occurred earlier in the day. Richmond's 67-63 win over Iowa. Iowa, the number five seed in the Midwest, was one of the hottest teams in the country entering the NCAA tournament. The Hawkeyes were riding high after winning the Big Ten tournament, but then promptly turned in one of the worst shooting performances of the season and lost to a Richmond team that had no chance at an at-large bid without winning the Atlantic 10 tournament. And to the Spiders' credit, they did just that, and they carried that momentum forward while Iowa's came to a screeching halt. The Hawkeyes shot a measly 6 of 29 from three-point range. That's just 20.7%. Iowa wasn't much better from the field going 24 of 66, 36.4%. Richmond didn't shoot the lights out, but it made the plays it needed in the second half to build the build and ultimately hold on to the lead. Jacob Gilliard scored 24 points in the win, outplaying Iowa All-American Keegan Murray, 21 points in the process. Iowa has reached the NCAA tournament six times in Fran McCaffrey's 12 years as head coach. And has never advanced past the round of 32. Gonzaga survived scare. Baylor and Kansas cruise. Three of the four number one seeds were in action Thursday. While Baylor and Kansas cruised to Ohum victories, Gonzaga had a bit of a scare. The Bulldogs, the tournament's number one overall seed, found themselves in a battle with number 16 seed Georgia State. The Sunbelt Champions, in fact. The Sunbelt Champions. In fact, Gonzaga's lead was just 56-54 at the under-12 timeout. A few minutes later, though, the Bulldogs switched into higher gear. GU embarked on a 24-1 run to flip what was a close game into the blowout we all expected to see. The final result was a 93-72 victory. While the Bulldogs struggled with their outside shooting, Georgia State had no answer for Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren down low. Timmy led all scores with 32 points and 13 rebounds. Holmgren, the potential number one pick in the 2022 draft, posted 19 points, 17 rebounds, 7 blocks, and 5 assists. Providence holds off popular upset pick South Dakota State. One of the most popular first-round upset picks was South Dakota State, the number 13 seed in the Midwest region over Providence, the number 4 seed. Despite not having any first-team all-conference players, Providence managed to win the Big East regular season title. 
the Friars had a remarkable penchant for pulling out close games throughout the regular season, but many thought they'd run into a troublesome matchup in the first round. South Dakota State, the Summit League champions, hadn't lost a game since December 15th until Thursday. The Jackrabbits, the nation's top three-point shooting team, struggled against the rugged Friars. Providence held San Diego State University to 38.6 from the field and 7 of 23, 30.4% from beyond the arc in a hard-fought 66-57 victory. The win was Providence's first in NCAA tournament play since 2016. Providence wasn't the only number four seed that found itself in a battle Thursday in the West region. Arkansas was able to grind out a 75-71 win over Vermont to move on to the round of 32. And in the East, UCLA trailed Akron for the majority of the second half, but escaped with a 57-33 win, despite shooting 35.2% from the field. UCLA went on went on to the Final Four in 2021. In 2022, the Bruins were nearly bounced in the first round. And I spoke of this a little bit earlier, but I'm going to go ahead and dive a little bit more into this. Another first-round exit for UConn. The trajectory of UConn's program has improved under Dan Hurley, no doubt, but a second straight season with a first-round NCAA tournament exit is hard to swap. Last year, the Huskies lost in the first round to Maryland as a number seven seed. This year, UConn lost 70-63 to New Mexico State, the WAC champion, as a number five seed. The Hornets fell behind by. The Huskies fell behind by 10 at the halftime and twice led, tied the score in the final minutes. However, they had no answers for New Mexico State. Star Teddy Allen, he exploded for 37 points, including his team's final 15, to give the Aggies their first NCAA tournament victory. So there is some of the recap of what happened on the official first day of the NCAA tournament. Well, I'm about to pull this train into the station. Hope you have enjoyed this podcast and also be on the lookout as I will most definitely be getting some more guests back on. I've been kind of on the downside of podcasting lately. When I say that, I've been kind of on pause mode, but now I'm getting ready to ramp this thing back up as March Madness is heating up. There's a lot of movements going around in the NFL. And let me just go ahead and put this out. I will also be bringing back eventually the halftime show, Coach's Corner, and how about a new segment, Player Spotlight. It may be a college player. It may even be high school players. Had an opportunity to run into a young lady who played her high school ball at Wichita Heights. And the talk is the plan is to go to Butler County. I'm talking about one Jordan Bell. So look forward to having her on the podcast. But until next time, keep your tickets. They are reusable. They're free. I always want you to be a passenger on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. Until next time, take care of yourself and be blessed. This is A-Train signing out.